0: We all want acceptance. If you look at the world today, if you turn on the television, the media is filled with shows, with news, with reports, with judges that vote to accept people. You and I live in a world that has been darkened by what we call sin. It's not something we like to talk about, not something we like to deal with, but it's true that we live in a world, although God is full of light, the world is getting darker and darker every single day. Regardless of what happens on television, in the media, on the news, all of us are going to be affected at one time or another in our life with that one word acceptance. People matter to God. We're going to be getting a new series, and that's what we want to address is that people matter to God. If you've ever battled with being accepted, then my prayer is that instead of looking at why why you would be accepted, I would ask the question first, why do you think you're not accepted? Why do you think your spouse doesn't accept you? Why do you think your parents, your co-workers, or people surround you, the people that surround you, don't accept you? Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross. Many rejected him. Many did not accept him. But he did that so that you and I would understand that there is a God who accepts us just as as we are. When you came in, you're given a bulletin and you can take that out and we'll be diving right into our message. Acceptance is one of those things that we are all, we're all going to deal with. Have you ever done something to your parents so horrible or maybe made some kind of mistake in your family that you felt like no one would accept you after that. I remember when I was in my teenage years that, that I made a decision and was in a situation that I thought, I don't think people will accept me. I don't know if my family will accept me. I don't know if my friends will accept me. I was 15 years old and I had my son. And I thought, how can people accept this? And I thought that maybe I needed to do something in order for me to be accepted. You see, the difficult thing is we will look at situations and then start to judge ourselves based on the situation. And we'll think that everybody else looks at us in the same way that we do because we know our situation more than anybody else. You see, the problem with that is, once I start to view myself and others based on performance, then I become somebody who uses eyes to see what is wrong in life, not what is going right. Before I even so-called made it public, to my family that I had my son, I battled with, am I going to be accepted? Now, just to give you a, a, an overview of what took place at that time, I did not tell my mom that I had a child until he was one week old. I know, I know what you're thinking. Oh, I would have given you dirty lickings if you waited that long. But that's how I felt. I felt that if I said something, then no one would accept me. And how would I have to deal with this? Now, you may have a different situation. You may be looking at your situation and you may think to yourself, well, it's a different, it's a different issue. It's a different problem. But still, nonetheless, there's something deep down inside that says, but I'm not sure if I'm accepted, acceptable, or maybe you see somebody else's life and, and you don't accept them because of something that they have done. We're going to look at two lives today. One, whose name is Cain, who is the firstborn of Adam and Eve. The second, we will look at a woman who was brought to the feet of Jesus, ready to be stoned to death. And we're going to look at these two lives and we're going to look at this one word acceptance. And what we're going to find is that people matter to God. That people regardless of where they are in life, doing well or not doing so well, we're going to find that they that they matter so much to God. So much that God so loved the world. John 3:16. Probably the most quoted and most famous scripture in the Bible that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you know that scripture by heart. But did you know that one of probably the most loneliest scriptures is the one that follows John 3.16? And it's John 3.17 and it's actually in your notes and we're going to read that one together, okay? John 3.17. Let's read this together. Ready? Go. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Saved. Sometimes we have a hard time thinking people won't accept us because we first feel we're not acceptable. So where does that leave us? Where does that leave us as a church? Because sometimes we stereotype people, even ourselves, instead of treating people like equals or how we want to be treated. But in order for us to understand acceptance, we first need to understand what makes us think we're not accepted. See, every one of us can gain a deeper understanding of acceptance with God and others by learning how God views us when it comes to sin or our disobedience to Him and how He accepts us. And we say this, well, God God accepts me just as I am, so what's the big deal? And if God accepts me for just who I am, and who we are, should not other people? Should not His church? Well, it should be in that way. But again, we're dealing with humanity. Humanity. You see, we as human beings, we only can think so far. We only can do so much to be accepted. We only can go so far in order for us to feel acceptable. The world will always look for ways to go against God. Always. If you want to know what's important to God, look at what the world attacks. Look at what the enemy attacks. Look at where the devil focuses on. That's how you know what's important to God. Our world is covered with so many things that are happening that are opposite of God. I mean, if you turn turn on the news worldwide, right now in the Middle East, there's war happening. I mean, there's things that are going on far from here that may not affect us physically. But still, nonetheless, the world is falling apart. Now, before we become afraid of that, let me just say this. God knows the end. And in the end, he says, you win. As his believers, you win. Jesus said that himself. He said, you will, you will be in a world that's perverted. You're going to live in a darkened world. But do not be afraid, for I have overcome the world. See, it makes a big difference when we understand where God is in accepting us and how that relates to our relationship with him in that one word acceptance. You know, if we look at the things that are just recently happened, one of the things that people have been asking and we've been wondering about uh, how this takes place is how people can almost manipulate and get their way. In our very own families, we deal with that because people want to be accepted. Just recently, and if you've been watching the news or, or reading the paper, our governor just passed a law of civil union. Now, we know, family members, you may be sitting here this morning, that we're for civil union. And maybe you're one of those that says, Well, who cares? I don't. It doesn't really bother me. Or maybe you're somebody who says... Well, it's going to happen, so let it, let it happen. Now, regardless of where you sit or what side you're sitting on or, or what you believe, the truth is that no law can be passed that can actually be truth that is opposite of God's Word. Regardless of how we word things... If it's not according to the Word of God, it is not truth. You can make it sound good, but it's still not the truth. See, people want acceptance. We will pass laws for acceptance. Some people are wondering, well, what's the difference? What's the difference between civil union and marriage? Isn't it the same thing? Well, not really. You see, civil unions is, is where two people who have made that agreement of the same sex to actually receive the same benefits of those who are married. So they'll look at this and say, well, here, it's not about marriage. It's about receiving the benefits of marriage. Now you can paint it however you want. You can put it on paper however you want. But you put those two words together, civil and union. Civil meaning relating to what happens within a state or between different citizens or groups of citizens. And union, the act of joining together people or things to form a whole. And you put those two words together, you you come up with where a law recognizes two people who are joined together to make a whole. Now here's the difference between that and marriage. Marriage can almost sound the same. Is where the law recognizes two people who are joined together to make a whole. Kind of the same thing. The difference in marriage is it's not just the law that recognizes two people who are joined together to make a whole. But the difference is you have God's approval and acceptance. Yes, God accepts us just as we are. But it doesn't mean we're right. It doesn't. Yes, God did not send His Son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Cain, the firstborn of Adam and Eve, dealt with acceptance. And he had to to come to the realization that something was happening in his view of God. Now, Cain and Abel, Abel was his brother, they would offer sacrifices to God. Well, Cain, the Bible says brought his sacrifice to God. I'll read in Genesis chapter 4 the account on what took place. And in Genesis chapter 4, it says that in the process of time, I'm in verse 3, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But listen to this in verse 5. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry. And his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? God says this to Cain. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. See, Cain and Abel brought their sacrifice to God. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that that Abel, in faith offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. It's like Abel thought through his sacrifice to God and it was by faith that he brought his sacrifice to God, a more excellent sacrifice. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Here's the difference with Cain and Abel. Cain did not obey God's voice in bringing his sacrifice. Oh, he he did the sacrifice, but he didn't obey God's voice. He did the very same thing That Abel did. But Abel, in faith, which is he heard from the Lord in how to bring about the sacrifice, offered it to God. Cain's was unacceptable. But Abel's was accepted. Cain gets angry. And God says, why are you so angry? If you do well, will you not be accepted? See, when God did not accept Cain's offering basically what the Bible means is that that God did not look upon his offering he had no regard for his offering in fact he kind of turned away from his offering kind of like God looked around or he did not admire the offering kind of like if if you're asking somebody for you know the, maybe a, a bite of the dessert and they kind of just scoop it up and there's like a little small tiny piece and they say okay here you go and you kind of look at it and say, oh my goodness, you got to be kidding me. Now that may not have been the heart of God, but that's kind of like what happened. That when Cain offered his sacrifice, he didn't obey God in the sacrifice. He did the acts of the sacrifice, but he didn't obey God. And God looked at it and He said, oh, come on, Cain. It's not what I'm after. I'm not after the duty or the look of your sacrifice. I'm after something far greater than that. Cain's gift was not acceptable listen very carefully although Cain's gift was not accepted it didn't mean that Cain was not acceptable and so many of us we attach acceptance of our lives to what people reject that has nothing to do with who we are in God there's a major difference. See, if I start to view myself how God does, if I start to view myself in how God designed me and and the plans that He has for me, it changes everything about acceptance. Especially in your very own family. Especially between husband and wife. If you look at one another and you view acceptance by how you relate to one another you will always come up short with feeling accepted. But if we change our perspective and we say, Lord, I want to view myself as well as others how you view us. If you are taking notes, you can write that in your first point. Because God wants us to understand how he views us and how how we should view other people. View myself and others how God does. Now, you can go on one extreme or you can go on the other. You can go on one side that says, well, I'm going to view others and myself how God does. And God, He accepts us just as we are, so might as well do whatever we want. We can ask for forgiveness. So so we go on this extreme and then we just live however we want to live. And then on the other hand, we can say, well, let's go on this side then. How about, you know, the way God views me and, and others is that we're sinners So we got to do everything perfect. And if we don't, then we're not going to be acceptable to God. And so we live legalistic lives and we put challenges and legalism on other people. And we start to judge other people because they're not so-called as spiritual and as mature as we are. But there's some place right in the middle, somewhere that, that brings balance to all of this. And it's what Christ has done for all of us. Now we hear that scripture that there's no condemnation with God. There's no condemnation. He doesn't condemn us. But that's actually not true in its entirety. In Romans chapter 8 verse 1, here's the scripture and here's how it reads. And it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now here's how it continues who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You see, if we read that whole scripture, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who does not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, now we get a better understanding of what it means to be condemned. Because did you know that if we don't know Christ, we're condemned? If we don't have a relationship with Christ, we're condemned. We're doomed to destruction. We live lives separate from God, without Christ. Now, we can say we believe in Christ, but the Bible says, then that means I should not walk according to my flesh, but according to the Spirit. I can say one thing, but live another way in the hopes that I'm obeying God. See, once I view myself and others how God does, oh, now, the, now it becomes more balanced. See, condemnation is when we give judgment against or, or to judge unworthy of punishment or worthy of punishment. That we, we do things that, that deserve punishment. And God is saying, well, if you're in Christ Jesus, you don't deserve punishment. I'm not going to punish you. If you walk according to the flesh, you're not going to receive so-called punishment. Christ took the punishment for us. That's why there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If I'm not in Christ Jesus, I'm I'm condemned in my own sins. You know, sometimes we'll view ourselves better than other people. And then there's times that we view ourselves worse than other people. And it's funny that when I judge other people, I never judge people according to where I'm at, at my lowest behavior. I will always judge other people according to my best behavior. Do you notice that? That when we put other people down or when we judge other people, we don't look at our worst behavior and say, oh, they are like this. We actually put ourselves at our best behavior and we say, I'm not like them, therefore I can say this. But I'm learning that I I, want to be a person who views myself as well as others how God views them. See, people won't come to Christ if they don't know what Christ looks like. And that's where we come in. The other story, not just of Cain, but a woman who was about to be stoned to death at the feet of Jesus. And it's found in the book of John. And I'll read the scripture to us. John chapter 8, and I'll read from verse 2 through about verse 9. It says, Now early in the morning he came again to the temple, speaking of Jesus, and all the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses, in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? And this they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus, Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And when Jesus was left alone, and Jesus, excuse me, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Can you picture the scene? The dusty streets, people standing around with stones, ready to stone this woman. And the law said that she did something wrong. She was caught in the very act of adultery, which means that, I mean, in order for this to happen, you'd have to walk in on somebody committing that sin. They actually did this to test Jesus. Now, regardless if they set this up, regardless if she did this on her own, she still remained at the feet of Jesus ready to be killed. And Jesus just says, He who is without sin, go for it. In other words, he says, If you're going to judge her, don't judge her based on your best behavior. You better judge her based on your worst behavior. And if you're ever going to throw stones, make sure you look at yourself first. And Jesus said that not out of hatred, He said that out of a love and compassion for people, because people matter to Him. And here's this woman wondering what's going to happen. As the scripture continues in John chapter 8, verse 10 and 11, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she says, well, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, well, neither do I condemn you. But then he continued on. And many of us miss this most important part. And he says this Go and sin no more. Now, why would Jesus say, Go and sin no more? I mean, if God is, if Jesus is all about not condemning us, but that the world through him might be saved, why would he tell her, Neither do I condemn you? And then tag it with, Go and sin no more. Why wouldn't he just say, neither do I condemn you? Why would he say, go and sin no more? I mean, wouldn't she learn? Wouldn't she kind of come up with that by herself? Why would Jesus say something like that? Well, although Christ didn't condemn her, if he did not say that, And he did not give her a way out. She would go right back into her old habits. And here's what's worse. If she continued in her sin, she would condemn herself. And that would be far more detrimental than if others condemned her. See, that happens in our marriages, doesn't it? It happens in our relationships. It happens with friendships. It happens with our coworkers. That we may see something that's happening in our lives or somebody else's life, and we make a judgment call. Or maybe we come to the Lord and we say, God, forgive me, and, and He cleanses us, and, but then we don't change. We go back to our old habits. It's like after a while, we, we live a life of self-condemnation. And we feel like other people see us that way. And you know what actually happens? After a while, if I don't readjust my heart, then I start to drift away from the heart of God. I start to drift away from gathering with God's people. I start to drift away from listening to God's voice, hearing His Word, reading His Word, even attending church once a week. I start to drift away because I condemn myself. See, that's why... That's why many times when Jesus forgives us and we go back to our old ways, it won't be too long that we just we just bail out of everything. And Jesus is saying, No, you gotta catch it. You gotta catch it right away. But where do we go from there? I mean, where do we go from being in a, a self-condemnation mode or where we may feel judged or we judge ourselves or we feel unacceptable? Where do we go from there? How do we how do we live a life that is full of a world that that will judge us or will judge other people. Well, Jesus continued after he said this to the woman. And Jesus said it it kind of in this way. He said, follow the light of Christ, not the darkness of the world. See, Jesus gives hope. He didn't just leave it at that and say, well, you know, you're in your sin, so hopefully you do well. He said, no, 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 I, I have the light of life. Follow me. Follow me. Your second point, follow the light of Christ, not the darkness of the world. The world will only get darker and darker because it's going further and further away from the truth of God. However we word things, it's just getting farther and farther away. Now after Jesus speaks to the woman, he brings hope from a darkened situation and in John chapter 8 verse 12, Jesus spoke to them again. This is right after this took place with the woman and he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I don't know about you, but I've, I've lived a life that was full of darkness. But not until I came to know Jesus Christ did I understand that it wasn't about being right or wrong. It was actually about living my lifestyle according to His ways. See, people will look at the church and say, well, the church, the church doesn't love us. But that's not the truth at all. That people matter to God. It's not that the church or God or Jesus doesn't love people. It's we live in a world where once we're far from God and we try to make our own laws to fit His, we self-condemn. And we're actually doomed in ourselves. It really has not so much to do with how God views us. Now we're at a different issue. Now we're, we're at a place where we're viewing ourselves and we don't understand how God could love us. See, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world... He was saying that, that I am that kind of person that has the power to understand, especially when it comes to moral and spiritual truth. That's the light of Christ. It's not that it's just rosy and, and everything's smooth, but he's saying, I am truth. I am the life. And there is only one way. And when you go against that, you're going to self-condemn. You're going to be in a position where you're self-condemning yourself. And you're in a position where you're not going to see who I am. You're going to make up your own laws, your own ways to fit what you believe. And now you live in a world where, okay, let's make all laws so that we all feel accepted. And God is saying, you're, you're off. My word is truth that is unchangeable it's his truth that gives us the faith to understand his light when it shines on us he said you're going to live in a world that is in darkness but don't walk in darkness when he uses this word darkness he's saying it's it's the kind of darkness that wants light it's that deep of a darkness or it's like a shadow you know when you have the sun shining and you have maybe a house or or something, a tree, and it casts the shadow. Light is shining, but there's something something interfering the light which casts darkness. And I may live in darkness, doesn't mean God is not trying to shine his light on my life. There's something there blocking his light. There's something that's That's interfering with his truth. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am the only one who is able to accept you in your darkness and breathe life into your spirit. He says, I'm the only one who can do that. See, following his light allows his life to add value to my life. Following my flesh actually casts a shadow over my life. Therefore, intercepting his light to shine on me, causing me to devalue my very own life. And because of that, because I devalue my own life, and because we live in a society that goes that direction, that's why we try to pass our own laws to make us feel like there's a light shining on my life so that I'm accepted. The problem with that is it's a false light. It's not the light of Christ. Now we can look at laws. We can look at direction. We can look at people's opinions. Even the direction that people are heading. See, the problem is not, is not what side I'm on. The problem is not adultery. It's not adultery. The problem is not our offering to God. The problem is not fornication, addictions, civil unions, gay marriages, theft, stealing, lying. That's not the problem. Do you know where the problem lies? It lies in the human heart. It comes back to an individual heart. Mark seven twenty one through 23, it says, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. See, all of these things are not the problem. The problem is the human heart. That's why God wants my heart. He wants it so I'll live my life to please Him. Now, of course, we know people who may be far from God, or they say they know God, but are not living the lifestyle according to the ways of God. But do you know what would attract people to God? God. It's not just being nice to people or kind to people. It's actually living a life that's well-pleasing to God. You see, people turn away from God many times. Not necessarily because because they don't love God. But they have a hard time dealing with the people who say They love God. Yes, it does put pressure on Christians. It does. Explain that to Jesus Christ about pressure. He understands pressure. He says, I'll take it. I'll take it upon myself. See, we can look at all these things, but really it comes down to, am I going to be a light so that people can find Christ? Can I encourage us as a church to do well to please God? Do well to please God. This year, in prayer, I really felt God saying that He wants to grow us spiritually. Now listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. It's not on my notes. Do well to please God. God. And when we do well to please God, laws won't need to be passed so people feel like they're pleasing. Please God. You and I have a huge challenge with where we are, not just as a state or as a nation, nor even as a world. But you and I as believers in Jesus Christ have the responsibility of showing people the love of Christ. Oh, it's a difficult thing to do. Very difficult. But there is no law above God's laws. There is none. Above such things, there is no law. He gives us the responsibility to do well, to please God. You know, when God said to Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. And he said this, but you should rule over it. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you know, Cain, if you make the right decisions, will you not be considered acceptable? But if you don't, being accepted is no longer the issue. The issue now is sin... And it has overpowered you and there's nothing you can do on your own to overcome it he said you you have this decision to make it's your choice let me give you this word picture with what God was saying to Cain here's the word picture picture a house just picture a house with a porch on it with a rocking chair you can paint the background however you want. It could be a nice sky. It could be a sunset. Just don't make it rain because we're, we're not in the porch yet. Just paint it however you want it. However you want the house to look with a porch. Here's the word picture. This is what God was saying. On the porch of acceptance, sin sits patiently on a rocking chair waiting for our decision to do well or not sin sits patiently on the porch of acceptance waiting for us to make the decision to do well or not well but if God accepts me just as I am then why should I need to change why should anyone else have to change you see I don't think we have a problem with God accepting us and changing us we have a problem with God changing us in areas that we don't want to change That's where the problem lies. We we, we really don't have a tough time with God wanting to change us. We have a tough time when God wants to change that one area that we don't want to change. That's where it's difficult. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul begs us, he begs the Romans, he says, therefore I urge you, brethren, See, there has to be a life of transformation. Something needs to happen inside of us. But he's saying, don't be conformed to this world. The world is going to, it's going to be on a downward spiral. But don't be conformed to it. Renew your mind. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, a, a holy sacrifice. And holy doesn't mean to be, to be perfect. It just means to be pure and clean. See, holiness doesn't mean we're, going, we're not going to make mistakes. Holiness is, is when we live with a pure and clean heart in spite of our mistakes. That we live a life of purity and cleanliness before the Lord. It's like a child who makes a birthday card for mommy or daddy. You know, they'll make a mess. I mean, the table is full with glue, glitter, uh, pen marks all over the place. They'll even come with... They have glue and glitter all over themselves, glitter all in their hair. Pen marks all over their hands. Even the card itself may not be perfect. It may not even be folded perfectly 50-50. It may have a little turn to it. But as he presents it, as the little child presents it to mommy or daddy... Isn't it, and I know we can agree as parents, isn't it acceptable? And we don't look at the mess. We look in the heart in which it was given. See, as we learn that people matter to God, it'll help us to better understand what it means to be accepted. Sure, we can all do things better, but people need to first see the people who say they love Jesus live as if people matter to God and when we do we become more and more like Jesus even though there's laws that are passed that may not line up with the word of God we can still be the church in a darkened world can you say amen to that let me conclude with this story It was on a cool, crisp December night that Mr. and Mrs. Parker attended their grandson's violin performance. Well, their grandson, Billy, was four years old. Well, they settled into their seats. And after a few performances, Billy was up. And he stood behind the royal red velvet curtain. And as he stood there, he took a deep breath because he was doing a solo performance. Well the curtains parted and the spotlight came up and there stood Billy with the biggest smile wrapped perfectly in a tailor-made tuxedo suited just for him. Well, Billy started to play the violin and boy was it horrible. It was the worst sound in the world. And grandma and grandpa just smiled and tried their very best to enjoy the rest of his performance. But when Billy was done with his final note, and he was silent, Billy smiled, tucked away his violin and bow, and took a bow. Then came the awkward applause. Well, after the night was over, as people were taking pictures of their little ones, Grandma and Grandpa made their way over to Billy, who was talking with his teacher. And he went up to his teacher and he said, How would I do? How would I do? Did, did I do okay? Did I do well? Mr. Thompson, his teacher, responded and he said, Billy, you did a wonderful, outstanding tell a job. Well, Billy's grandparents thought that to be rather odd that the teacher would actually lie to Billy and not be honest with him. And so they cautiously confronted Billy's teacher. Grandpa, he said, uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Thompson, uh, uh, we're Billy's grandparents and we overheard you speaking with Billy. Uh, we were wondering why you weren't completely honest with Billy. I mean, about his performance. Uh, you know, come on. I mean, even, even we as his grandparents, uh, as biased as we may be, uh, we, we know he didn't do that well. <laughs> Mr. Thompson smiled. He says, you know, the first thing I teach the children is a proper stance to hold their violin and bow. And the second thing that children learn even before they pick up the violin is how to take a bow. If children learn that they are accepted not because of their talent or ability but for who they are it gives them all the freedom and motivation in the world for them to do well no matter where they are in life. I never, ever look at their performance. I look at their heart in which they perform. Because once you have the heart, the music will soon follow. And that to me, folks, is what acceptance is all about. you bow your heads and close, close your eyes for a moment and we're going to pray together. And Lord, there's many things that, that we got to sift through as a people of, the people who believe in you, people who are close to you and people who say that we love you. There's many things that we have to sift through. But Lord, may we be people who have a better understanding of what it means to be accepted. Oh, it's difficult because of the world we live in to deal with certain things. But Lord, give us the kind of heart that you have. Lord, we do pray for our governor, Neil Abercrombie, as he, as he continues to lead this state. Lord, we pray that he would hear your voice. Lord, we pray for us as a church, as a, as a congregation, as believers, as ambassadors for you, that we would lift up our leaders to you. It's a tough decision to make. It's difficult to lead. But Lord, you are head over all. You are the Alpha. You are the Omega. You're the beginning. You're the end. There is no law above you, God. God. And so we turn our faces to you. And if we need to, as a church, repent, then we do so. As as individuals, if we need to repent, then we do so. But Lord, help us to have eyes like you. So that as we live in this darkened world, we will have the light of Christ that shines so brightly that people will find you wherever they may be in life. Thank you for accepting us exactly where we are but loving us even that much more because we matter to you. People matter to you. That you don't want us to just stay the same but you have a future and a hope beyond darkness. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And every single person said, Amen. Amen. Boy, there's a lot to think through.